Everybody shout warfare. warfare. Well, man, so much. Thank you for coming and, and excited. A couple things. Uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 6 with me as you're turning there. Uh, just a couple of announcements I want to let you know. Next week, uh, we have Doug Reed who is coming in to, to share. Uh, he, uh, I connected with him through Pastor Jesse from Journey Church. And Doug has a heart for the local church uh, as a pastor. He's a teaching pastor in four different churches. And then also for missions, uh, local missions, international missions, really equipping. So we're excited about uh, seeing how that connection really works and different things. And then in two weeks, on the 17th of October, everybody say party time. Uh, we are going to have a service that is like no other in the ages that we've ever had. Uh, we'll be celebrating 27 years as a church on the 17th of October. And, um, and it's something I would encourage you, do not miss, because there will be something a surprise behind every corner, all right? Uh, just, just I, we are, I've had the message wrote for about two months and uh, really excited, celebrating everything. And, and I think about, I think about Mary, uh, who basically, she was on the, the board that hired me to be a part, so to see up her doing offering. Then I think about Maddie, a seventh grader on the drums. Give her a great big hand clap. And, and I think about picking her dad up on a bus when he was in sixth grade. And I remember when he was a student and him and his wife, Christy, uh, they started our student worship team. And then Paige had a desire about six, seven months ago. She said, you know, I want to start a student worship team. And uh, part of that is just, man, they're not just a student worship team, but they're a part of the church and the, and the adult worship team. And Maddie went from... Uh, not really, I guess, known how to play drums, but her dad taught her, and, and now she's on the worship team and did amazing, and, and I just want to recognize that because that, when you look at 27 years, that's what it's all about, amen? And, and so we are just going to party, we're going to celebrate, we're going to have an amazing time on the 17th. Then the last thing, guys, I got nine tickets left. BYOF, nine tickets, and and. And I'll just be honest, once they're gone, they're gone. There's no, uh, there's no waiting list. If you gotta, you got to find your own ticket to get from somebody. So we've got nine tickets left uh, holding on that because we only have so much food. We only have so much gifts. We only have to make sure everybody's able to see the Million Dollar Man. All those kind of things. So we invite you to, to be a part of that. Everybody shout warfare. 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 Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. In addition to all these, Hold up the shield of faith, which we've been talking about here, the shield of faith, to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Last week, we talked about, and I can't recap because of time, but we talked about stopping the arrows that attack your mind. And that when you put up the shield of faith, that you can quench all the fiery arrows that come into your mind, that can stop the thoughts that you shouldn't want to, you didn't want to think, or why did I think that? And so, but that says that you can quench all those fiery darts. So let's pray. Father God, I just thank you. And Lord, I'm excited about what you're going to do. Father, you've been equipping us to put on and hold up the shield of faith. Father, that we're not only to hold up the shield of faith for ourselves, but we're to hold up the shield of faith for our brothers and sisters in Christ, Father. And Lord, I just ask that you give us the ability. First, we got to protect ourselves. Because if we can't protect ourselves, then we're not going to be able to protect others. 
And so, Lord, let me finish equipping these folks, prepare our hearts to be warriors. And, Lord, challenge each one. Do they want to be a warrior in the spiritual world? Father, and they'll come up at the end and say, yes, I want to be a warrior. Father, I thank you for those that are being baptized today in both services. So excited. Lord, so excited of what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. The second shield of faith that quenches the fiery dart is our, is our heart. And I think it's interesting because the heart is protected by the breastplate of, of righteousness. And when we put up the shield of faith, we protect our heart. And our heart's significant because it says out of our heart flows the issues of life. And we got to begin to understand how significant our heart is. Because the fiery arrows that are aimed at our heart is, is to paralyze your growth in God by bringing up your past hurts, by bringing up your past disappointments, by bringing up your past failures or misunderstandings. And it's inevitable that, that these events are going to happen in life. Things that people spoken over of us, people who have victimized us, events that went sideways in our life that have left us with a history so much that we don't really care for. And then there's the mistakes that we individually have made in a season of rebellion, regrets that cannot be undone, awful moments of anger that we wish we could take back. And I'm believing that those items and areas that we mentioned that have been washed by the blood of Christ in your life, if you're a Christian, that you're no, no longer are you realize that you're not in unfavorable standing with God, but you are in favorable standing with God as a child of God, as Mary talked about. But the spiritual reality is these arrows of our dark foe, the enemy, Satan, are potent in those areas in our life. And those arrows landing and doing damage in these areas cause us to lose confidence in God. But we're not to lose confidence in God. We're to put up the shield of faith so we're not being struck by those arrows. Because then all of a sudden when we realize that we can put up the shield of faith to quench all the fiery arrows of the wicked one, that, that God's given us the tools, the equipment, the armor to use, but if we have to use it properly and therefore, it restores that confidence. Think about the person who stumbled in pornography. I was reading a statistic this morning that says the average age of a male that gets exposed to pornography right now is eight years old. By eight years old, they're seeing some aspect of pornography as a male. It was interesting because the same statistics was reading that 90% that of men... Men, ages 8 to whatever, have viewed pornography. 60% of women have viewed pornography. Or a person that had an affair. And when we have these mistakes in our lives, we're constantly reminded by these arrows of failures that they are a handicap that forever disqualify us from being a good spouse or a good parent or a good future 
future, whatever it is in our life, and we can't serve God through the ministry. Or you think about business people who replay bankruptcy in their mind or bad investments in their mind over and over, and they can never achieve and trust and attain the goals and the dreams that God put on their heart because they wasn't good stewards with what it is. And, and even though they've repented and they've recanted and, and they've discipled, those fiery arrows and the enemy will come to continue to hit you, and they become so painful like a splinter or something that you get into your, your life that, that visibly you don't see the pain on somebody's life. But when a tug or a bump or a push happens to that injury in our life, especially emotional or spiritual injuries, suddenly it causes us to recoil, shut down, or withdraw from engagement in real friendships of those who love, who those who we love and love us. And suddenly dreams are put on the shelf. And strengths and gifts are never developed. And the person's left wondering, what's wrong with me? Everybody shout warfare. It takes discipline. It takes a divine script to use as a defense when these arrows fly by us to quench them with the shield of faith. See, the script is very simple that, that you can simply change your perspective with a question. Have you ever asked yourself, what does the Heavenly Father think of me? Have you ever thought about that? Because Mary sort of stole my thunder a little bit because he does think of you in an incredible way. And when you are a child of God, you've got to live behind the shield of faith that I am loved, I have potential, that, that God is generous, God blesses me, that, that God is not finished with me yet if I still have breath in my lungs. The promises for me are so be it in my life that my faithfulness to God is what matters. That John 3.16, you matter. That's our theme for 2022. You matter. Everybody say, I matter. You matter to what? To God. The Lord sees my heart. I'll be doing a funeral this afternoon at 3 o'clock and here at the church of a family I've known for, for 26 years. And my message is known. How is Arletha known? Arletha is known as Nana. She's known as Mama. She's known as Arletha. She's known as Skeeter. She's known. And I want you to know that you're, you're known. In God, there's no comparisons. God doesn't compare you with anybody else. God doesn't want us to compete. God has a view that is, a view that is infinitely generous and gracious in your life. And when you lift up the shield of faith properly, you quench the fiery darts that are arrows that are aimed at your heart. And then suddenly you begin to see that God loves you and God notices you. And that you are so important that he gave his life on the cross for you. And not even that, but he rose again on the third day. And he sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for you because you are that significant. The second arrow, or the third arrow, is aimed at the belt of truth. Excuse me. The belt of truth. And it's interesting because the belt of truth is the center point of our lives. And we need to put up the shield of faith, the quench. It's some of those important internal organs. And the problem with our society today is truth is objective. We have a whole generation that says truth is this or what is truth. 
Truth is how many influencers you have. Truth is how many likes you get. And no, that's not truth. That's advertising. Come on, say amen. The truth is not whether somebody believes it or not. The truth is truth. And we live in a world where right and wrong are now a matter of opinion. And we validate people's truth a lot of times unknowingly by saying, oh yeah, I like that. When you, if you would sit back and say, what does the Bible say about that? You wouldn't validate a truth they think is okay because they've just been blinded by things in their life that they don't know that is truth. And there's an assault. We have to recognize what it is. There's an assault against truth. It's vicious. It's angry. It's, it's intolerant. Study history. Truth is a strategy, strategy of amplifying the voices of people who are not on the side of truth. Everybody say truth. You know, one of the things that we did every time we build a building, and I was sharing it with uh, a friend of mine this morning, Jed Angel, who messaged me, and, and he pastors in Centralia, and he was messaging me some encouragement, and I was sharing with him, I said, yes, we have a, a Bible that when we built the dome, we built, built a Bible right under that center light. It's right there. That way the Word of God would always be, and Jesus would be the center of everything that we do. We buried a Bible right underneath where this pulpit is. That way the Word of God will always be ministered from the pulpit. We put a Bible at every one of these doors. Why? So in a little bit, when I talk about the shoes of the gospel of peace, that every time you leave, you carry out the shoes, you carry out the gospel of peace. You're to be a witness of of Christ, the hub, the dome, same thing. We buried Bibles in there. Uh, Bob Taylor, his daughter brought me back one of the olive leaves from, from the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and the olive leaf represents peace. We figured out the center of the property, and we buried that olive leaf that the peace of God will rule and reign over this property. Everybody say warfare. It's all an aspect of, of truth. John 18, 37, Jesus said, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Everyone is who have the truth hears my voice. It got me thinking, if I'm not hearing God's voice, am I getting the right truth in me? Using the shield of faith when it comes to truth means carefully choosing the voices that you listen to. What are the loudest and most frequent voices that we listen to? Are they voices of faith? Are they voices of Jesus through reading the Bible and prayer and worship and preaching and different things like that? Look what it says in verse 37, John 18, verse 37. Pilate said, so you are a king? Jesus responded, you say that I am a king. Actually, I was born and I came into this world to testify of the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. If we could replay back the voices that spoke into your spirit over the last 24 hours, what voices would we hear? What voice would be found at the top of your playlist? Because see, this is an area I believe that we're really careless with in our life. And to set aside the shield of faith, to expose ourselves to a constant barrage of unbelief and foolishness or arrows. What we need to do is ask ourselves, what is the fruit of the lives of the people who speak so loudly and aggressively to tell you how to think and to tell you how to live? 
and to tell you why you are wrong. From philosophers to actors to athletes to politicians to podcasters to musicians. What is the evidence that is in their life that gives them the credibility to claim their truth into your life? See, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. Guess what? Going and being a good person does not get you to heaven. Jesus proved he was the truth, what he claimed and what he did on the cross and the resurrection. Whose loud voice is intimidating you? What authority do they have to prove that they're right to shoot arrows at your life? How is it working in their lives? What is the proof of time? Why should I listen to anyone who causes me to question or dismiss my faith in Jesus Christ? See, are they really experts who are filled with godly or ungodly wisdom in my life? Why should I listen to anybody who mocks God or jabs at biblical principles of marriage or family or faith or whatever it is when their own lives are a disaster? Jesus says, beware of the kind of people that shoot fiery arrows. Jude chapter, or Jude verse 8, because there's no chapter, it says, in the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lives, defy authority, and scoff at supernatural beings. Jesus says, beware of these kind of people. It goes back to the strategy enemy as the serpent's first question to Eve. Challenging the motives of God. What did he say? Did God really say? Did God really say? The first attack on truth. The first flaming arrow at truth. Did God really say? Ah, oh, you surely will not die if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the assertion, the underlying thing, was that God is withholding something good from you that you can't reach your full potential. Insinuating that God is not truly good and God is not telling the truth. Verse 38, John 18, Pilate said, what is truth? And Jesus said, I am the truth. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. The ungodly begin shooting arrows at Jesus when you study the word of God while Jesus was alive. They said he was demon-possessed. They lied about his motives and his works. They ultimately crucified him for, for what he did in life. They shoot arrows at the Bible. They shoot arrows at the church. They shoot arrows at the creator and his right to, to own his own creation. They attack when we share the gospel. The host of darkness will always try to go through and strike a blow to your faith which is truth the path let me tell you the path of following Jesus does not include a promise that it's going to be exempt from problems you got problems I got problems every all God's kids got problems amen, amen. sit in my seat man you'll see problems all the time it's funny but it's not it really isn't it really just sort of breaks your heart. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials. There's that word fiery again that you're going through. As if it's something strange that is happening to you. Isn't that amazing? We as Christians should not say, why am I going through this? 
We should expect it. I prayed over a house yesterday and blessed it. And uh, the husband and I was talking afterwards. I was teaching and equipping his kids how to bind and loose and plead the blood of Jesus so that when they had nightmares, the nightmares would leave. And, and they were like three years old, five years old, and eight years old. And I said, you know what? I said, it's going to get worse before it gets better. We think this pandemic's bad. Read the Bible. It's going to get worse. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ, his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory. Joy. Everybody say joy. It was interesting. Pastor Brad shared this week in, in our devotion in the staff meeting that happiness is really, depending on the version of the Bible, is only mentioned once, but everything else is based on joy. And then when, when, when Mary talked about that, that is true. The joy of seeing what? His glory when it is revealed to all the world. Second uh, uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, again, we see that, or excuse me, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. That's not it either. <laughs> I, Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. See, we're all human. I make mistakes. Come on, say amen. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 or 4. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Everybody shout warfare. We need to quench the fiery arrows that are aimed at the Word of God. How many of us believe that the Bible is true and it's the Word of God? How many of us believe that it is Holy Spirit inspired? There's 66 authors. There's a group of poems. There's a group of songs. There's a group of inerrant, different prophecies, histories, letters, etc. So we know that and we say that. And now we go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It's interesting because it says all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. What's wrong in our lives? Vic, why is this happening in my life? All scripture teaches us what's wrong in our life. Folks, you don't have to come to me for the answer. Go to the word. Because all I'm going to do is give you the word. Everybody wants fairy dust. But we need the word. What does it do? It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it. Catch it here. The Word. Why? I, I Fall in love with the Word. It's a living book. It speaks to you. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding. Or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking on a series, Fulfillment, the Person of the Holy Spirit. How to have the fulfillment of the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't want to get into an apologetic as the Bible of God's word. You can find that information on your own. But what I want you to know is you've got to be diligent in using the word of God so it strengthens your shield of faith. It gets it wet. Is your shield all dry up? Or is it quenching the fiery arrows of the enemy? 
Man, when your life's falling apart and you don't have joy and you don't have peace and you don't see eternity, then man, your shield's not doing its job or you're not doing it right. Trust in the word of God. And then the last one is the shoes of the gospel of peace. The shoes of the gospel of peace. Pray for me this week, please. I've got a funeral today. I've got two funerals on Friday. Pray for me that when I walk into those situations that I can bring the gospel of peace into people's lives. That's what I love about our guest speaker next week. To share the gospel of peace. That's why we put it the Bibles at the doors. Because I believe the tangibility of the anointing of God can get on you. To share the gospel of peace wherever you go. Acts chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. I'm winding down here. This is the last one. Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. It says, So they called the apostles back and commanded them never to speak again or teach in the name of Jesus. You ever heard that? What about our school system? What about our government? What about the world? But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? Hmm, that's an interesting we cannot stop telling about everything we've seen or heard. We cannot stop. This was written 2,000 years ago. History is filled with examples and seasons of attempts by the ungodly and Satan to silence the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see it today in our own culture, in our own country, where it's illegal to speak and teach in the name of Jesus. And these arrows take forms of insults and shaming and cultural pressures for tolerance and subjective personal choices above all. Don't offend anybody. Don't confront anybody. Don't disagree. And I agree, we shouldn't offend. The Bible says we should not offend anyone. But the Bible didn't say that the Word of God wouldn't offend people. So you're, if you share the Word of God, you're not offending people. It is. So that's why it takes the pressure off. I can sleep tonight. I can sleep every night. The arrows create pressures that cause too many of us, countless Christians, to take roads of silence and fear and excuses like I do lifestyle evangelism. Well, yeah, you should do that, but you got to share. The Bible says they don't develop faith except when they hear and hear what? Hear the word of God. And the Bible says the word of God, not your lifestyle evangelism. Your lifestyle evangelism just validates what you say you believe is truth. Everybody shout warfare. It's about warfare. Man, when you see the water baptisms in a minute, that's like warfare. It's public declaration of an inward transformation. Next week, 11 o'clock service, we're baptizing seven. 
We're baptized in three today. Couple last week. I mean, I, I can't even keep track of all the baptisms that are going on. And I love it. And dedications, baby dedications. Next week, business dedication. Folks, these arrows as Christians, if you've been in this thing any time and time, it's not new to you. These arrows are not the first to be aimed at us in, in north central Missouri. Man, read the Bible. Read the Bible. Look what it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Either way, Christ's love controls us since we believe that Christ died for them all. We also believe that all we had to die to our old life. Verse 20 and 21. So we are Christ's ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us, through me, through you. We speak for Christ. Man, that's powerful. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For we made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. If we're silent, if we're never speaking, if we're never testifying, if we're never inviting, if we're never reaching out, then we're no real threat to the agenda of hell. The Bible says, yes, we are to be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. Man, when we put out there to say, hey, can you work at the concession stand? Can you, can you pass out candy on the 31st of October? Talk to Pastor Shirley. When we got these guys coming in, when Million Dollar Man's in, in a week and a half, And he's going to teach us how to be godly men. And he's going to teach us how to be godly fathers. And how to be godly husbands. And he's going to teach us how to be godly sons. It's not just an outreach. Man, he's, he's coming in. I said, you need to disciple us. To display the character of Christ. Acts chapter 4. 10 and 12, and then I'm going to close down. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Man, when I talk about fulfillment, we're going to equip you with the Holy Ghost and power to do what? The man you crucified, but whom Jesus, who God raised from the dead. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The Philippian jailer witnessed a, a miraculous earthquake and the prison doors fell off and the chains fell off the prisoners and none of them escaped. And the jailer's heart was softened. He was willing. He was asking questions. He was asking the world what the same question the world had. What do I got to do to be saved? They think saved from natural things, but it's eternity that God has placed in their hearts that they really want to be saved from. And I love it because Paul and Barnabas didn't give him hints. He didn't sugarcoat it. He didn't make it fluffy. He didn't say, what if he rejects me and doesn't like what I say? What did Paul and Barnabas say? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Not only you, 
but your whole households. And the Bible says they were saved by faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. And today you've heard the good news. Today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, are you ready to become born again? Are you ready to become born again? Are you ready to be saved? I'm going to ask the girls that are being baptized to come forward. Come on up. Go ahead and get them on up ready. But have you, have you been saved? Are you ready to be saved? Are you ready to give your heart to Jesus Christ? How do I do that, Vic? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You simply say, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I need a guy to come up, please. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to please forgive me where I've sinned. And at that moment, if you said that with your heart, you're saved. And the next step is water baptism to make a public declaration of an inward transformation. You let us know when, we'll make it happen. That's what it's all about. And if you made that and you're serious about your decision, please fill out that connect card. Drop it in the black boxes. After we baptize them, I've got one more challenge and we'll have people up here to pray for you. Are y'all ready? Have you asked Jesus Christ in your heart as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes? All right. Well, let's get ready. Now baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, right there. My hand slipped off of you. I'm sorry. Hey, Lynn, you ready? Why Halen is mo- modeling the new water baptism T-shirt. So go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and grab your nose. Put your hand right over my hand. And I have baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to listen to what I'm saying. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward. I want you to ask with your heart. I don't want you to be influenced by your spouse, your kids, your friends. I want you to ask, this is personal. This is right now vertical between you and the Holy Spirit. If you're ready to be a warrior, then we want to pray for you to have a warrior's heart. 
and to have an incredible boldness to proclaim and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Acts 1.8. Because it's, let's keep your eyes closed for just a moment. I'll get you out of here. It would make sense that one of the most effective enemy strategies and devastating tactics is very simple is to keep the gospel from being proclaimed by silencing its messengers. And you've got to put up the shield of faith. So if you want to share the gospel, but you battle with doing it, as I mentioned, or something else, and you're ready for boldness, then take a moment and come up for prayer. If you already got it, boldness, and you have no problem, then hey, great, don't, don't worry about it. But you know, the Holy Spirit knows who I'm speaking to. Then you come up for prayer. These people up here to pray for you. I remember I wanted the fire of God so bad, and Pastor Brian's on, Word of Life Church. It was three or 4,000 people at the time. And he shared, he said, you know, God gave me an impartation for the fire of God, if you want it. So I called up, I made an appointment, we went out to lunch, and then I had, pray, I had him pray for me. I had him lay hands on my stomach and just pray that the fire of God in my life would never go out. And it would be activated, it would burn brightly. It wouldn't be wildfire, but man, it, it was that moment that transformed my life. And so if you want a warrior's heart, you want a warrior's heart, come up and get prayer. Father, I ask that you touch each person, you bless them. They've been equipped. Father, I can wash my hands. They've been equipped to use the shield of faith properly. Let them go out and be victorious in Jesus' name.